Hey, Slingers, welcome back to another week of the Word Slinger podcast. And I'm talking to Jay Daniel Sawyer, host of the Everyday Novelist podcast. And he's going to tell you how to get a fertile mental life. So stick around. Hey, how you doing on money? I know it's a touchy subject, but uh, I got something that may help you out. See, I'm using an app called Acorns. It helps me manage some investing, uh, put some money back, get a little interest. It's kind of nice to watch my money grow. So I want to share that with you. Go to kevintumlinson.com slash acorns and you'll get some free money. See you there. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand. Write your book. Redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tumlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Tumlinson, the Word Slinger. I am uh, I am here bunkered in uh, my in-law's place. <laughs> Probably like you, quarantining. And, uh, and the like. So, how's it how's it going with that uh, with everybody? For me, it's it's strangely similar to what it was before the quarantine. <laughs> I am uh, you know in a new location, but uh, otherwise, work just continues exactly the way it always did. If anything, work has just picked up <laughs> at more than ever. Uh, I've been doing a lot of live streaming and. Uh, and video stuff lately, and uh, you know, a lot of that's for Draft to Digital. We've been doing this daily D to D spotlight where we are talking to industry insiders, uh, authors, influencers, um, people with services, people who do marketing, all kinds of things. If you're not checking that out, you definitely should go to Draft. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go well. You can go to Draft to Digital dot com slash live, or rather, go to D to D live dot com. And you'll catch up on the uh, the latest ones, uh, where everything that's everything's available there. You can find all of it there, uh, but you can also uh, go to YouTube.com/slash/draft2digital, and that'll take you to our our page. And we've got a growing list of these things there, um, and uh, we're adding them to a playlist so you can go through them all. Tons of these things. I'm not the only one involved in this. Uh, Dan Wood and Mark Lefebvre are also hosting some of these. Uh, we're, and there's going to be some stuff evolving out of this. We're having a real good time with it. This is this has been a lot of fun. It's been fun to connect with the community at this level, um, but also to just share, you know, daily something that I think can uh, sort of uplift the author community right now. Because there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. Uh, but frankly, ebooks have just never sold better. <laughs> that whole thing about the publishing industry saying, you know. The traditional publishing industry saying that ebooks were a fad, uh, that they were not selling, no one's buying, they're terrible quality, all that stuff has just gone out the window <laughs> in the face of not being able to buy uh, physical books right now. So uh, get out there and uh, and uh, check out those those videos. There's a lot of great advice in there. Um, I have really enjoyed doing those. It's a little exhausting because it has like quadrupled my workload, but uh, all for the better, you know. It's worth it's worth it to end your day slightly exhausted when you know you've you've done something remarkable, uh, and those those are certainly remarkable. On the other uh, on other fronts, 
I have been doing a uh, weekly show called The Kevin Show. I think I may have mentioned this last week. I'm not sure. My memory is fuzzy right now, but <laughs> I am, uh, I'm doing this weekly show, and it's not uh, aimed at authors. It's not even really aimed at readers. It's just aimed at human beings uh, as we, uh, you know, we need a little bit of distraction. I decided I'd start doing a 30-minute show um, every week called the kevin show uh, and broadcasts on facebook and youtube live so you can uh, tune in but it's also you know recorded and you ready for playback so uh you can go check out that if you go to to uh youtube.com slash kevin tumlinson um that'll take you to my youtube page if you're while you're there just for the grins of it go ahead and subscribe to that channel and uh click the little bell to, uh, get notified when I release something new. Um, I'm going to be adding more content to that over time, but these these weekly shows have been really uh, useful to me, so I'm I'm kind of glad to see them there. Um, so I hope you enjoy that stuff. That that show, by the way, we I think we kind of talk about it a little in this interview. <clears throat> um, that show is interesting, and I think it's it's something that authors may want to think about. Uh, not necessarily the show itself, not necessarily even producing live content like that. But the fact was, I had an idea on one evening, <laughs> kind of talked it over with my good friend Nick Thacker, and said, you know, I'd like to create this show. I'd like to just, just for the fun of it. I was exhausted. I just got through March, which was one of my heaviest months for creating content for D2D, because uh, we were doing a relaunch for the site. I was moving and stressed out. My, I'd gotten some bad health news, and I was stressed out. I had uh, all this stuff stacked against me, and I was just, I needed an outlet. I needed to just laugh for half an hour and be distracted from um, the, you know, pandemic and everything else. So, I pitched the idea to Nick, and in an hour, on one evening, I sat, created some, some assets for a show, graphics, an opening video, music, everything. And uh, got Nick booked for the first episode. And, and then the next day we did it. 30 minutes, no scripts, no plan. We just uh, riffing on each other and having a good time and joking. I got uh, Nick to play the ukulele. <laughs> so, and it was a good distraction. Um, but it shows to me that uh, we live in this just incredible time where we can just decide, I'm going to create something. And then it is there, immediately available for the world to uh, enjoy. As authors, we do this with our books, right? We have, right now, there has never been a time in history ever where the link between an author's work and the reader was, was so immediate. You can, and I've done this, and you've heard me talk about this in past episodes. If you haven't, if you haven't heard this story before... Um, it's spread through numerous episodes of this podcast. If you have heard it before, bear with me. There could be new people listening. <laughs> you know, I've done things like, you know, I've been standing in line at Disney World, you know, on a layover between conferences in like a three-hour line um, and uh, took out my phone and using my thumbs wrote a short story while in line and uh, used can the Canva app to create a cover for it and... Uh, uploaded it to draft to digital from my phone where I was able to pick a template uh, much like you would through Vellum, which is a layout software, but this was free. 
Um, so, you know, with no overhead to me at all, no cost to me out of pocket at all, I went from uh, idea to book in a three-hour gap. You know, it's not a super long book. It's a short story with a cover, you know. But And I paused before um, submitting it and, and publishing it because I wanted to make sure I edited the thing. Um, but that book right now is available as a free download on my website at kevintomlinson.com. It's called The Janai Sigil. And it is, uh, it is a short story and set in my Kotler, Dan Kotler archaeological thriller universe. And I created that with no overhead whatsoever using nothing but my iPhone um, while standing in line at Disney World. So, all this to say, whatever you think the barriers are to you creating, to you promoting, to you marketing, to you reaching an audience, uh, they don't exist anywhere else but in your mind. <laughs> you can make the time. I, I, I do a daily journal and I wrote, uh, I do three pieces of wisdom. I write three pieces of wisdom, and there, I let the universe, you know, inspire me to to this. I just sort of free flow something, uh, three little bullet points basically each day, and then I write the rest of my journal. Um, but uh, one of the ones uh, that I wrote this morning was about this idea that, um, you know, the only real barrier you can find the time to to achieve. The only way to find the time to achieve. The things you want to achieve. You have more than enough time if you are willing to sacrifice and set aside that time. And the, the sacrifice in this in this instance means there are plenty of other things you need to do, want to do, feel obligated to do. And you to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, you would need to set aside time for that. Um, I think that is uh, reasonable, and I think everyone can do it, and I know I'll get arguments uh, from some, but if you really look deep in your heart, I know you're going to figure it out for yourself that the things that are important to you get done, and the things that aren't, don't, and you can set aside the time, and it means a little bit of sacrifice, maybe sacrificing some sleep, maybe sacrificing a meal, maybe sacrificing... Uh, you know, maybe an hour um, of TV or an hour with your kids. Uh, and all these things can be very important to you. So you just need to figure out uh, the gap in there where this, this other important thing can be done. So anyway, um, that's not really what we're talking about in this interview today. But I, I just spoke to uh, our guest yesterday. Now I have other interviews in the can, but I felt like this was timely and needed to be out there. So I'm going to go ahead and run with it now. I hope you enjoy it. I'm chatting with author, podcast host, <laughs> uh, and uh, a, a friend, a good friend now, uh, Jay Daniel Sawyer. So enjoy this interview and I'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in, for sticking through the intro. I'm not even sure what I said. Uh, in the intro, but I promise, I, I, well, I can guarantee uh, at least I was interested in it. So uh, thanks for tuning in and <laughs> playing along. Uh, so today we're talking to Jay Daniel Sawyer. Uh, now I'm going to read his bio here because uh, it's, it's got some great details for you, but longtime podcaster, full cast audio pioneer, an independent filmmaker, and author of 30 books. Uh, Jay Sawyer hosts the Daily Writers Podcast, the Everyday Novelist 
dedicated to creativity, process, and writerly discipline and cultivating a fertile mental life. That's the part I wanted to get to in your bio. Cool. Uh, I like the idea of a fertile mental life. How's that, how's that shake out? And welcome uh, to the show. <laughs> Hi, good to talk to you again, Kevin. Yeah, you were on Everyday Novelist, what, about, uh, about two years ago, I think it was, yeah. right? A little over two it years ago? It doesn't seem like that long. I, it's been crazy, packed two years in like every sense. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've done a billion podcasts, and webinars and live streams since then <laughs> and that's just this week oh boy um, so <laughs> yes and i you know and i told you this before we started and i'm i'm going to apologize to the rest of the world uh because if i sound at all frazzled or off my uh game it's because we've had so there's there, on top of a, a pandemic and i don't know when you're listening to this it's probably a little bit in the future for sure Maybe things turned out all right. And if so, thank you, world, for uh, playing along. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, things have been a little crazy in terms of stuff we're doing with D2D. We've got these spotlights we're doing, like, every day. And then my, my buddy here pops in, and I, for some reason, I thought it was one of my author consults. So I'm off base. I'm off kilter, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get back on track. So I think we'll do fine. How, how is everything in the J. Daniel Sawyer world, man? Tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now. Oh, well, right now I'm stuck up in the backwoods. I moved up to the backwoods of New England for a week in order to help my parents relocate a year ago. It turned out that their, uh, their retirement house needed some renovations. So oh, wow. I got stuck here. And just as we were getting ready to leave, the uh, quarantine comes down. So I might be stuck here another year. So there's a lot yeah. of interesting refactoring going on. But um, that seems to be the way that works out. I mean, we we were we moved out of our apartment and moved mm -hmm. into our in-laws place for a few days, quote unquote. <laughs> and then quarantine hit and we're like, well, there we're you gonna go. hunker down anywhere. <laughs> go ahead. Yep, yep. But yeah, no, it's it's good. It's you know, we're on we've got fifty acres to play with, so there's lots of good time for outsideness and I'm using the opportunity to resurrect my fiction podcast and get uh, some work ahead done on the homestead we're building on the other side of the country. Right. So it's, it's going to work out. What, but, what kind uh, of work ahead can you do if it's on the other side of the country? Uh, there's a lot of design stuff. Um, yeah. Design, designing and costing sourcing stuff for the first buildings, figuring out order of operations for, um, at what stage we do the well, when we do the catchment, what's the priority of how much electrical build out? Because where we are, it's a quarter mile beyond the last electrical pole. So it's 20 odd thousand just to bring power in. So right. it's actually a lot cheaper, even though we're in an iffy climate zone, it's actually a lot cheaper to go solar. So right. yeah. that's, uh, that's a whole new set of things I've been learning about. And uh, Oh, man, yeah. you're talking to the right guy cool this, this is <laughs> i have to so you know you know that we're getting into yeah. an rv full-time again yeah uh so the the two biggest problems the three big problems uh one the two are bigger than the third but internet is the biggest challenge mm -hmm. you know power isn't such a big challenge unless it's going to be hot right. and then uh and we have an air conditioner run. right yep so yeah so Solar power and generators and uh, alternative energy are all on my mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm so thinking yeah, about been... installing something on the wheels of the camper, 
that uh, as we roll, oh, like it generates power. Hey. I've been studying doing that kind of stuff. It should be pretty, uh, pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. By simple, it, you know, that's a relative term. Well, it's a relative <laughs> term, but the question is, would it be more efficient than just putting a bigger uh, alternator in the truck yeah. and then, um, and then routing it to the charge bank? That's something else I I've, I've considered. Well, you know, whatever. This has been uh, alternate energy talk, everyone. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, <laughs> well, you know, we were talking about a fertile mental life. Uh, uh, yeah, what, exactly. You know, I mean, one of the one of the things about creativity is it's nonlinear. You can't reason your way into it. What you have to do is you have to create a broad um, a broad base of knowledge and experience and interests to pull from. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the ways that I keep myself spry is by picking interesting stuff that's not related to anything else I'm doing and finding a way to get interested in it because I always get story ideas out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting. And that, and so that's what you mean by, by fertile mental life. Well, partly I've just finished a book called the autodidacts Bible, which should be coming out. I think we've set the publication date for early July. Yeah. Which is a, basically a comprehensive toolkit for teaching yourself how to self-educate eat, whether you're self-educating with philosophy yeah. or with carpentry yeah. um, and everything in between. Um, Man, I got to tell you though, hmm. you should call it a fertile mental life. The autodidactics Bible. Thank you. I've been looking for a good title for it because the working <laughs> title is a bit wonky. Yeah. So I'll write that down. Do that. do that. I think that's going to work. Uh, I would buy that book. All right. I wouldn't buy the first one. <laughs> right. Because it sounds really technical. It sounds like it's going to, yeah. Like, uh, I'm going to have to read this with like one of those clear rulers. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, lo I lost my Your lighting there. just went away. Yeah. Well, good thing nobody, yeah, everyone of, uh, listening yeah, to this doesn't no know that. Locked, yeah. Speaking of off-grid power. It's no joke. <laughs> Now I'm not really sure why that happened, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let that charge up while I'm on with you. Uh, well, that's okay. Now I gotta... we're both backlit, so it's sort of fair. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> things things like this are always happening to me lately. I don't know what's going on. Um, so you, uh, we'll get off that. See, this is what I'm talking about. So I'm, yeah. I get off track just a little. <laughs> and just I'm no a little. help because I'll just chase whatever rabbit that's trail okay. we stumble onto. You know, I, I studied improv and, you know, you roll with whatever's going to come at you. Yes, so that's, and. Yes, and. Yeah. Yes, yes and. Yes, and or no but, but never yes. no and. Yeah. So uh, you, I, let's talk a little bit about your uh, – well, we can talk about your book. Do you want to talk a little about your book? I was going to get off on your podcasts for yeah, a bit. Yeah, no, no. But... Let's get off on the podcasts. They're, they're okay. related. They're related? Sort of okay. grew partly out of the other. So. Tell, tell me, uh, how did the uh, show get started? Like, what made you decide to do it? Back in, gosh, I think it was 2006. Yeah, 2005 or 2006, I went to a write-in uh, for NaNoWriMo at Central Perk in Berkeley. And Chris, whatever his name is, the guy that started NaNoWriMo was there. And so I got to talking to him like, why, you know, why did he do this? I'd never done it before. It always seemed kind of silly to me. And he said, well, I wanted to be a writer and I couldn't motivate myself. So I decided to pick the most difficult month in the year and intentionally write a book there to prove to myself I could do it. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. So I wound up trying to do NaNoWriMo that year and I completely failed. But the, um, the, the, the minor features of the conversation, like going in the direction of greatest difficulty in order to build up your writing chops, 
really sunk in made a big yeah. difference to me as a writer to my productivity and to my general approach to all things writerly so i had in mind always one especially once i started podcasting i always thought it would be fun to do sort of a walkthrough of NaNoWriMo for the newbie who'd never written a book before okay and about 2016 i had the free time so i sat and did it and I got to the end of this 30-day walkthrough, which has since evolved into my book, Becoming an Everyday Novelist. And I started getting emails from people saying, please don't end it here. We've become <laughs> dependent on it. <laughs> and so I, I, I went on pod and I read a couple of these and I said, okay, so look, here's the problem. It took me God, you know, God knows how many untold hours to work out the program for this 30-day walkthrough, to put right. things in the right place, to write the copy, that whole bit. So if you want me to keep this going, you've got to make it easy for me. Send me questions or something. Yeah. And I thought that was going to be the end of it. But they sent questions. Yeah. And they kept sending questions. And they kept sending questions. And it's now four plus years on. And we're just creeping up on a thousand episodes now and they're still sending questions and occasionally a question will spin off and I'll do a special series or, um, and, uh, um, or I'll have a guest on every once in a while. Um, about, about two and a half years ago, I wrote a, um, I cracked the formula for Heinlein's juvenile books. And so I wrote a Heinlein juvenile and did a walkthrough of how to write a Heinlein juvenile. Interesting. And, um, you know, so it's other stuff like that, but, as the years have gone on, the questions have gotten more and more interesting. We get into history and psychology and philosophy and general autodidacticism and mental health management, physical health management. And um, the reading list that I refer people to keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah. What, so, what puts you, though, on that specific course? Like, you know, or well, I guess more, uh, the more important question is, like, how are you answering those questions like where are the answers come from um well i read the questions when they come in and then uh about once i get enough to do a block i record 15 to 30 episodes in a day yeah and uh do it all off the top of my head okay um, i'm i'm const i grew up in i literally grew up in academia both grandfathers are cattle ranchers and then my father is a theology professor so i grew up um, idolizing my blue-collar grandparents and hanging out in the college where my father taught. So I was like auditing classes when I was six, seven years old, just because yeah. I thought it was cool, not realizing I was picking up useful stuff. Right. And um, I've just always loved learning and hated school. So I've become, yeah, you know, I, I quit. I dropped out of school at fifteen. I started working full time and going to college on the sly. Um, and just read, 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 experiment, learn, do a bunch of different stuff. I've, I've run a courier company. I've run a couple of publishing companies. I've been in the tech world. I've run a music company or not, uh, well, it was a music services company, like uh, mic, live sound mixing and doing yeah. concert videos and that sort of thing. And um, over the years, I've built up this toolkit for how to navigate any situation and come out of it you know, come out of it learning a lot about it that's cr and how to cross apply those things to other areas so that you can bootstrap on multiple fronts at once. Yeah. Um, so when someone comes in and asks a question, um, 
and I'm, I'm really, I'm always really careful to separate my opinion from the state of the art in a given field and what the state of my knowledge is. And then if it's something that's, you know, socially controversial or, or that's fraught in the field, I refer to sources um, that counterbalance each other. Yeah. And when it's, when it's something more historical, I just you know, refer to a couple of good books that are, that give more depth on the subject than I'm able to give. Um, we've done deep dives on the history and background of the writing of certain influential books, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you're cataloging all this somewhere so that people can, can access. It. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, on the website at everydaynovelist.com, there's a reading list of basically every book we've ever recommended on the cast. Yeah, do you album are you um monetizing that somehow or are you you know people got paid access um and- yeah it's no no well it's uh it's free to listen i've got uh patreon a subscribe star and a gumroad subscription feed all uh currently doesn't bring in very much but it's yeah. for me it's kind of a pay it forward thing i need to figure out how to monetize it a little better because it does take an ungodly amount of time that's always the challenge but, too because uh, you know you yeah. like me i mean i i I've lost track of how much I've put out there that's meant to help the community. But, yep. you know, at some point you do have to make a living. Um, yep. Luckily my books make my living. So that's great. But you put in all this time and energy, you feel like there should be some sort of mm-hmm. monetary reward. <laughs> <laughs> well, people who listen to this, if you come over and listen to the cast, kick a dollar in here and there or buy the books through the links yeah. on the site, that really helps out a lot one of the lovely things and you'll know this one of the lovely things about being sort of off the beaten track whether you're in an rv or going or we were in an rv for a couple years or going off to the middle of the woods is you have the freedom to live on quite a lot less than everybody else does right so it doesn't take a whole lot to meet your monthly bills so even though we don't make a lot it really does help with the budget but genuinely every dollar helps Mm -hmm. which is both nice and a little bit of a downer. Yeah. Well, but I guess if you really think about it, that's just going to be true no matter what. I mean, you're, you know, I so. yeah. I mean, for most people for like, yeah. we'll say 90% of people, that's probably going to be the truth. Yeah. It's going to um, be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting watching what kind of long-term effects this whole, uh, this whole pandemic. Uh, pandemic adventure has on people's determination to work from home and other things over the long term that could seriously change the shape of the way things work. I predict that. I I honestly think we're, we've just, we just witnessed like a, a leap forward in the evolution of, of civilization as yep. you know, everything we understood has come to an end and uh, we're now going to reinvent ourselves. That's and, a lot uh, more true than you might realize because it's not just, the social changes that this is forcing but there's another set of social changes that was waiting in the wings for coming two three years from now when the boomers hit mass retirement that this has accelerated yeah and that is that because of the global demography the demand driven economic expansion that started with the black death just ended right just ended Right. That's 500 years of political, social, and economic and ethical systems all premised on the notion that things would continue to grow at a moderate rate forever. They don't work anymore. Right. I'm, I'm planning on editing an anthology later this year dealing with potential new ways to do things where growth is not an embedded obligation of the system. Um, 
figure science fiction needs to get back to hardcore speculation. So I think we also just witnessed the opening of a, of a whole new door when it comes to intellectual property and the way culture reacts with it. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. I I, I'm real curious to see what happens because, you know, think about everything we've seen of late, like all the, the little sessions where people do like, you know, uh Oh, <laughs> Sorry about that. No problem. You got to clean anything up. You good? No, no. I just wasn't. My reflector wasn't backed by a strong enough, uh, strong enough weight. All right. Uh, you know those, uh, all those videos and everything that have popped up with like nurses and doctors singing or high mm-hmm. school kids singing something and performing yep. something. You know, all that stuff is out there, and it's getting a lot of attention. And some of it is even sort of inadvertently monetized. Mm-hmm. but nobody is having to secure the rights to any of that stuff right now. So yep. I'm gonna, curious to yeah, see what happens. There's going to have to be some, there's going to have to be a new, uh, new compulsory licensing scheme like happened in the twenties when radio came in. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be yeah. interesting. Well, you know that there's this whole thing going on with, um, this has been in discussion for years really, because this is why the creative commons, uh, first kind of came on the scene, but mm-hmm. you know, can you really and truly own an idea and is it beneficial to society for you to own the idea? And we need to make a living as content creators, but do we, you know, how far does that extend in terms of ownership? So, you know, I'm, I kind of am on in that boat of, you know, ideas want to be free. Uh, like the guy who created, uh, yep. Uh, was it Oracle? No, it was, uh, uh, Linux, uh, yeah. the creator of Linux. Yes, yes. Uh, but at the same time, I make my living from my ideas. So, yep. oh no, know. it was uh, it was it was it was uh, Bill. What's his name from Sun Microsystems said that. Okay. Sorry, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. No, no problem. But yeah, no, I yeah, no, I'm the same way. I've uh, quite a lot of my stuff is Creative Commons licensed, mm-hmm. and I, um, you know, I've interviewed Cory Doctorow years ago and yeah and and the greatest the greatest enemy of any new artist is obscurity not piracy all that sort of stuff yeah totally on board with that and on the other hand the uh you know the rationale for copyright law is that the for the civilization to benefit from the culture people have to be incentivized to make it and when everything was expensive to publish that was very easy to um that was a very easy line to draw but it's not anymore and we've delayed rethinking that seriously by 30 years and nobody has put yeah i think you're right that dam just broke yeah i think i i absolutely think it has and you know of course one of the things that's that's been happening since uh since the pandemic started i almost hesitate to talk about the pandemic at all honestly because by the time this episode airs we should hopefully be out of uh, don't bet on it I, i'm expecting <laughs> that i'm expecting that there'll be a sawtooth quarantine for we'll see years. we'll see if you're right if this go, when this goes live we'll see if that if things yep. change i don't know what but whatever i'm right? now on record so if my prediction is awful <laughs> then everyone can laugh at me it's gonna be a transcript yeah. and everything man absolutely uh, so i think um you know, right now I know from from our, my experience with Draft to Digital and, and my own personal experience that ebooks ebook sales have been just going through the roof. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I mean we've we've seen like a forty five percent increase across retailers, but like a hundred and seventy five percent increase with libraries. 
So people are out there. My, yeah, my, my audio book library sales have also gone way up. Yeah. The, yeah. It's, it's why I seem to have the greatest penetration in libraries with my audio books. Now that's, that's interesting though. Enough. That's interesting because most of the time when I think about audio books, I'm thinking like people are getting them to listen to while they drive into work or something. I would think so too, but maybe, you know, while they're Could be. out everybody's taking, taking walks, walks or, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or cleaning the house. I mean, if you're living in the house, you have to clean a lot more often. So how are you balancing um, the podcasting and everything else you're doing with the writing? Like how are you keeping on track? Um, I tend to, batch a lot um current so like right now it's called the everyday novelist because i usually write every day but the last few months because things have been so weird it's been a little bit different so i've currently got four books that i'm redlining and um the podcast is actually as much time as it takes it's actually easy because i can batch it so i'll just i say okay at the end of the recorded buffer is coming up like when we're recording this i've got another recording session tonight because my buffer just ran out i say the end of the recorded buffer is coming up take one night to record them all then take a day to edit them all and post them and then yep. that's that and but i do a lot of stuff with batch work so i let you know enough of a pile pile up that I can do it as a project because with the exception of getting in a groove and writing every day, almost everything else I either get bored of or um, it, uh, it starts to grind on me if it's a chronic thing. But if I have projects I can get through, mm-hmm. then that jazzes me up. So, yeah. So that's, an, you know, are you, how much production goes into each of your podcast episodes? For the everyday novelist, uh, it's about a it's about a two and a half to one time wise. Um, as you can tell, as we're talking here, I have a bit of a scatter shot. I tend to circle a topic before before angling <laughs> in on it, and sometimes there's a lot of stumbling associated with that. So right, right. I like when I'm doing the everyday novelist because it's all improv. I like to to narrow the stumbling down as much as possible. So right. it takes about twice as long to cut every episode as the final listening length winds up being. Okay. So overall I'm at including the recording time at about two to two or three to one production ratio. All right. Well, all right. That's, that makes sense. That's about what it, what it takes for me. So I feel a little more comfortable. I am actually, <laughs> because I've been doing some other stuff recently live, um, mm-hmm. I'm actually considering shifting the model of this show to being a live format and essentially producing it on the too. fly. Yeah, it can be fun. It's a little tougher to get uh, certain guests on, but um, mm-hmm. you get the benefit of, you know, the production is, is done that day. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Dead simple. So. Yeah, no, I, I, re- I dig doing interview shows that way um, when, I'm, when I'm doing monologues. I like to massage the timing a lot because that, that really helps with the delivery. Yeah. But when you've got a conversation going on, the timing emerges from the interaction. So you can avoid the editing if you want to. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. I like that part where, <laughs> where everything is done for me automatically. Oh yeah. <laughs> I started my, uh, I started this thing called the Kevin show. I don't know if you've seen any of those and they're ridiculous. No, I haven't seen that yet. And they're not writing oh, is that your, your YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I started. Okay, yeah, I've got a tab open, but I haven't watched any of them yet. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to warn you in advance. Don't go there hoping for <laughs> writing wisdom. <laughs> but, well, I uh, figured it's you, so it's probably going to be like RV weird DIY stuff and strange. There's going to be all kinds history. of stuff. Yeah. So it started literally that show. So now, okay, I'm going to bring us back around to right. what we're discussing here. But that show started <laughs> as me and Nick Thacker. I said to Nick, you know what I? I was so stressed out from the moving, from the pandemic, from, you know, just being inundated with things. And I said, you know what I would love to do is just do something stupid, fun, no, no agenda, no plan. And call it, I could call it the Kevin show because that's ridiculous. And just put it out there live and have fun for 30 minutes, nice. distract people. And he, he, he said, I'd go on that. And so I, within an hour, I had designed that entire show from the graphics to music to a video intro mm -hmm. to booking my first guest. And, I, and the next day it went live. And, and I've done one every week since. So oh, that's that said... <laughs> to bring it back to the important thing of this interview, which is you, um, that shows, I think, that process of the fertile mind, you know, yeah. the, the fertile mental life that you are, uh, that you are focused on. Or would you, would you disagree with that? I kind of put you on no, the spot no, I there. Th no, no, I, I, I think that's a great example, the, the, the branching out. The, it's, oh. I'm trying to think of something pithy to come back to that, but, but yeah, I think you got it exactly. That <laughs> That's something. something life different. is chaotic, interesting, and complicated, and it doesn't easily fit into any of the categories that anybody likes to impose on it. Yeah. And um, I can't remember who I ran into it from. It might have been uh, it might have been something out of one of Taleb's books, but uh, I came across this idea of it's better to have strong opinions loosely held. Yeah. Then, then weak, then weak opinions strongly held. Most people yeah. have weak opinions strongly held. They have ideas that they like. They can't really support them in, in the face of a monumental challenge, but they'll hold on to them for dear life because they're identified with them. Exactly. In a sort of. Yeah. I like that. Core way. Um, I prefer to be able to articulate what I'm thinking in a very strong way. Right. And be comfortable enough with my own level of ignorance that I can change my opinion when something challenges it and it doesn't, and my opinion doesn't stand up in the teeth of whatever I'm engaging with. As a result, of course, I've had multiple interesting worldview shifts over my life. I've been all over the political spectrum. I've had three different religions. And, uh, <laughs> but, but it's, but the reason is that, that, um, I'm more interested in figuring out what's actually going on and yeah. engaging with life in a, in a deep way. And if that's my priority, then what's expendable has to be my um, determination to cling on to the things that might otherwise make me feel secure. Yeah. Okay. That is I, exactly. I, I, I love the way you put that. I, if that is an actual quote, I need to go find it about strong or strong opinions, strong loosely, opinions held. loosely held. Yeah. yeah that's uh, I feel like that's me. And I, I think the danger is people hear strong opinions and then decide that's where you stand. And so the idea that you might change your mind from a strong opinion 
and, mm-hmm. and pivot to a new worldview is is completely foreign to some folks. But I think that's that's the right way to be. Personally, I like that. Yeah, and I do, and, and I mean, one of the things you're you like me, you're you're a little bit north of thirty at least. And one of the things, by the time you hit your mid thirties, you realize that whether you want it to or not, your worldview is going to change. Yeah, because the cumulative experience you build up gradually goes out of sync with your ideology, whatever ideology that is, because ideologies are models that we build to deal with the world. They're not the world itself. And any model is going to have holes in it. Yeah. And the, you know, so when you're in your twenties, it's really easy to righteously hold on to everything because you are fighting for the good, but the older you get, the more that instead of that makes you look, instead of making you impassioned and a person of great conviction makes you look kind of stupid yeah. <laughs> because you're not, you, you look vapid and hollow. Well, yeah. Cause what's happening is while your practical worldview is changing and you can always tell by the evidence of someone's behavior rather than what they say, what you believe is reflected in what you do, not in what you say. And yeah. as you get older, if you're holding on to those, uh, to those early convictions that tightly, the gap between your behavior and your speech will grow. Yeah. And if you look in the mirror, and all of us eventually do, or at least most of us eventually do, you notice that disconnect, and that's when you have the existential crisis. Like, who am I? Yeah. If you've ever read Carol Dweck's uh, book about mind, uh, called Mindset, um, it talks about that exactly. You should tell that will probably end up on your list of, of uh, recommended okay. books because it talks about that very idea and it's the closed mindset versus the open mindset, you know, mm. and yep. we tend to look for things that become part of our identity, when, especially when we're young, especially when we're yeah. vulnerable, like we're, you know, mm-hmm. the bullied high school kid. You know, can say, well, people pick on me, but at least I'm really good at math. And so the, if you identify with that and then you fail a math test, you're crushed. Yeah, you're suddenly, yep. Your whole identity was just yep. taken from you. were murdered, you know, in your, in your own mind. And in, so you start to think, if I don't have that, what am I? Who am I? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so unfortunately, uh, we are, we're closing in on uh, our time. Closing on the end. Which uh, which is really unfortunate, man. I always I, I dig talking to you. We we now when am I coming back on your show, man? <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot like? live. I, I, uh, cu- I, Tuesday? No, no, I'm no. Kidding. Seriously, it, whenever is good for you, let me know. I would love to have you back on, especially now you're working with Draft to Digital. I'd like to get yeah. some of the because I don't think I was last back. time. Was no, I? Last time you were. Last time you were <clears throat> completely independent. You you were just leaving your first stint at Draft to Digital, I think it was. No, it would have been because I was still. Oh yeah, so I was working for DDD, but I I but stayed it was with in them. A different position. Oh yeah, yeah I was okay. I was getting on the road though. That's the only. Yeah, you that would have been on it. The road. So okay, yeah. So I was still fresh at DDD, really, because that <laughs> okay. happened like right after. Okay, there we go. Yep. That's uh. But yeah, this 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 yeah the stuff you guys are doing over there, especially now that Mark's on the team and whatnot, has has gotten a lot more interesting. I keep signing up for the meetings and then not making them because of everything else in the world. That's they're they're recorded. I really want. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to look back through for my recorded. Uh, Pop my recorded into uh, you, our YouTube channel. 
Okay. Which is uh, officially youtube.com slash C slash draft to digital, everyone. Uh, and while you're there, look for uh, Kevin Tomlinson and uh, you can tune into the Kevin show. Uh, so into plugs, but uh, tell everybody the more important URL is where can people find you online? You can find me at everydaynovelist.com. That's for the daily podcast. You can find a whole bunch of my other stuff, uh, audiobooks, uh, full cast audio fiction podcasts, my rather scattered and sometimes very dark musings on the universe on my blog, and a complete list of the books that are available for purchase at the moment, as well as my autodidacts reading list at www.jdsawyer.net. And Excellent. if you want a very, very dark take on some of the stuff we were talking about earlier about the changeover in ages, check out my blog post, The Abyss Stares Back. Yes. Excellent. All right. Well, you heard him, everybody. Make sure you check that stuff out. Buy his books. Go see his stuff. Listen to his podcast. There's a lot you can do to uh, keep him going. Throw a buck or two his way on Patreon. Uh, let's, let's make sure we're taking care of our own here, man. So Jay Daniel Sawyer, thank sir, you, sir, thank you so much for being a part of the Wordslinger podcast. Thanks for having me on. It is a delight. Everybody else right now, right now, you are probably hearing the groovy bridge music. You may dance in place at will. And if you stick around, I am sure to say something profound on the other side. And if I don't make fun of me, see you next time. <laughs> Among platypi, it is the male that has and carries the young. And it's one of the only mammals we know that lays eggs. Isn't that profound? <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, promise fulfilled. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview with J. Daniel Sawyer. Um, I know I did. I, I, I need to get back on his show. I told him I would get back on his show. Put him on the spot. <laughs> This is how you do it, folks. You ask. And uh, you, when you ask, you you use leverage. <laughs> and the same thing applies, by the way, to marketing your books. It's interesting. So we are staying with my in-laws. My mother-in-law is also an author. She's got a book out there. Her name is Carlene Steibel. And that's spelled uh, K-A-R-L-E-E-N and S-T-A-I-B-L-E. Carlene Steibel. And she's got a book called Pearl. Um, she's also got several others, uh, out there, but, uh, if you go look her up, uh, I would appreciate it and you can, uh, give her a boost, uh, buy her books, uh, send her a note. She, she loves hearing from people and we're kind of, uh, working toward building up her author career. Uh, so it's very fortuitous for me to be here and, but it's also interesting because we have conversations and I hear her say some of the same things I hear authors say all the time, you know, they want to just write and the marketing just drives them nuts. Um, but here's my parting advice for you when it comes to marketing. And I, 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 I also, I also struggle with these things as a marketer, as a guy who markets for a living with uh, draft digital and my own work and what have you, um, I also struggle with marketing my stuff because <laughs> that's not the fun part, right? But I can tell you, um, forget about the complicated stuff. Forget about everything. Find something to do um, once a week at, at least, right? Now, what I'm trying to do is I'm aiming for each week I do three things to market the books. And I'm, I am leaning in pretty hard on uh, promotions, you know, paid or otherwise, 
outside of advertising. Uh, I feel like advertising, uh, you know, there are a lot of complications to advertising and make it less fun. And uh, there are things about it I do enjoy. Some some of the guys I am friends with just love it. And they will track every click. They will track every, they get, they know their ROI down to like the penny. Um, and that stuff it can be fun, I admit, but it's also very time consuming. And if you're just kind of starting or you you know you you're you have limited time or you've got lots of pressures that sort of thing can just intimidate the crap out of you so my recommendation is um you know pick pick three things you can do in a week that do actually market your work and i'm leaning in on promotions through services like book sweeps which is ryan z's creation uh book funnel if i can get a feature deal that's great but i'm also occasionally running ads uh, book, I'm sorry, I meant to say book bub, uh, for the feature deal and ads, but book funnel, uh, from my good friend, Damon Courtney lives like 30 miles from me at this point. Um, book funnel has promotions you can be a part of and they don't cost anything. So that's a good tool. Uh, I also use bargain booksy and free booksy, um, which do have a cost, but it's fairly low key. These services, book sweeps and book, book, Bargain Booksy um, are fairly low cost. BookBub has you know a lot higher cost, but it, you can make things very reasonable depending on what you choose, the options you choose. Uh, so if you can get a, a, a feature deal though, those those will skyrocket you. I I, I from my own experience. So, um, but the so I do one of these. I do three three things in these categories each week. And there are other services out there. I also lean very heavy on building my mailing list uh, over sales. And that may seem counterintuitive, but my goal here is I want to hit 100,000 legitimate subscribers on my mailing list because I know when I release a book, that group alone, if I, I'm getting like 30 to 35% engagement with that list right now. Uh, if I can maintain that to a, and that's at like around 40,000 subscribers, if I can maintain that up to a hundred thousand subscribers, uh, that there's, there's a lot of money at stake there. <laughs> so that's just my parting advice for the, for the day. Uh, don't let marketing intimidate you, turn it into something fun, do three things a week. And as you go, you learn, you know, commit yourself to learning a little more and, uh, trying new things. And, you know, the stuff that works, keep doing, and the stuff that doesn't, let it go. And if something's not quite working for you, don't feel guilty because you're not doing what everyone else is doing. That's always been my uh, my trouble as well. So that is it. You're hearing the, the groovy outro music now, and I hope you are staying healthy and safe out there. God bless you, and I'll see you all next time.